Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Pow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking knots? That's it. That's all for today. Thank you. Good night. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I appreciate your uh, listenership and your support. I hope everybody's good. I, I am not so good, but I'm not I'm not going to whine. I'm not going to bitch. It's not a big complaint. Well, maybe it is. All right, l- let me process it, and I'll get back to you. Uh, I do want to tell you right now that Fred Stoller is on the show. Some of you heard Chris Rock mention Eddie Murphy mentioning Fred Stoller. When Chris Rock was on the show, he said, when I see Eddie, he says things like, uh, what's going on with Fred Stoller? Well, Fred Stoller is on the show, and we'll get to Fred in just a second. Can I promote myself a bit? I will. Tonight, I'll be at the Laughing Skull, January 19th through 22nd. Uh, sold out. Sorry. Uh, I'm excited, but I, I'm also apologetic to those of you who couldn't get tickets. Uh, perhaps if you linger around the doorway of the Vortex hamburger joint where the club is uh, and you're nice to me, I'll, I'll give you a short set out in front of the place. January 27th, a week from Friday, Boston, Massachusetts for the Magnus Comedy Festival. I will be doing a live What the Fuck, and I will also be doing a live stand-up set, uh, both at the Wilbur Theater. The live WTF, um, I couldn't be more excited about. Bunch of old uh, Boston guys that I I used to open for, and, and I'm just thrilled to uh, to to hang out with them. Uh, Kenny Rogerson, Jimmy Tingle, Tony V, Frank Santarelli, Mike Donovan, and Barry Crimmins. And what else we got? Sketch Fest. I'm doing some shows up there. I'm doing a live WTF. I'm also doing a storytelling show. The Fowler VW presents me, Mark Marin, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, for reals. That is going to be at the City Arts Center, Oklahoma City. Holy shit. I don't think I've ever been to Oklahoma City. I know I've driven through Oklahoma. I know when I was a younger man, after my fir- after I graduated from college and made my way across country, I remember writing a poem about Oklahoma City and the Cowboys and the American Indians and some sort of deep Ginsbergian uh, tract of bullshit. But throughout college, I held on to that dream. Perhaps I could be a poet. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that I am not in my garage, but I am instead you know, holding office hours uh, in a liberal arts department at some small school because I wasn't quite good enough to get into the bigger programs, just publishing maybe annual or every few years a slim volume of poems that I worked on hard and then trying to inspire young poets trying to explain why they would persist in poetry. You know, I'll still read a poem or two. I enjoy it, actually. I'll even write one, depending on how uh, desperate I am or how uh, focused I am at... at uh, yeah, I, I have used poetry in courting, I'll admit, and I've used poetry to solve some problems. There you go. There's my uh, my salute to poetry. I've used it to court women. I've used it to solve some problems. Poetry. Get some. Live at Acme Comedy Club. Wow, going back to Acme, Minneapolis, Minnesota, March 8th through 10th. That is a long time coming. Thrilled to be going back to that club. And I will be in Grand Rapids, Michigan at Gilda's Laugh Fest. Also, I'm not sure what the date is. I'll be at South by Southwest 
doing a one-on-one interview in front of an audience with Mr. Jeffrey Tambor. So that's that. Did I tell you Fred Stoller's on the show? Uh, glad you all enjoyed the uh, Todd Glass show. That was very exciting for me, and as I said, it was an honor to be part of that. I've talked to Todd. He seems uh, he seems great. He he it was he, he I you know I was concerned after I, I I texted him, I called him, I wanted to make sure uh, he felt good about everything, and he sounds he sounds great. So I'm I'm very excited that y'all heard that, and I'm excited for Todd. Now what what about, yeah I'm okay I, I'm not angry, but. I understand some of you have to go to work sick. I talked about this kind of thing before, I believe. But fuck if I wasn't on a Delta flight. I got I got upgraded to first class because I had to fly back to do some thing for Hulu. Uh, that, that's another story. It's not it's not important. Right? It, that's just a detail. Let's just you know kind of kind of just move over that. So I'm on a plane, I'm sitting in first on Delta, which is no great shakes. I don't know, Delta seems to try. But I'm on Delta first class, and I see this flight attendant, and she's talking to the other flight attendant right in front of me in the flight attendant area. And she said, yeah, yesterday I felt horrible. I had body aches, I was sweating. I stayed in bed all day. I had a fever. I just stayed in bed all day. And today I said, I'm not missing this shift. This is a sweet flight. And I'm like, well, thanks for spreading your fucking virus all over everybody. And then I had to worry. I, I was holding a bottle of water. Did she touch it? Did she rub it on her face? Did she stick it in her pants? Did she put it in her eye? I don't fucking know. I'm not that big a hypochondriac anymore, but I travel a lot. And if you're going to make the plane a fucking you know, flying Petri dish, I mean, maybe you should think twice. And, I, and then I tweeted about that, of course, because I can't not tweet everything that's going through my mind at any moment. And I get back these story like, hey, you know, some people only get a few sick days. Okay, well then it's maybe it's worth worth sacrificing half the world's population because she didn't want to waste one of her sick days when she was carrying the death virus, the apocalypse virus spread globally because a flight attendant didn't want to take her sick day. Now, obviously I'm being dramatic, but I'm a little ill and I blame her. I blame Delta. Didn't like Delta to begin with. I was only flying on it because I was bought the flight on Delta. And now I'm ill. And then I got a cold sore. Do you know what it's like to have cold sores? Are, were you one of the lucky people that made it through the 80s without the souvenir from hell that uh, tends to repeat itself whenever you're under a little bit of stress or perhaps compromised on a immunological level because a flight attendant brought her virus onto a plane? God damn it. This cold sore is horrendous. I took the Valtrex. I don't know if I got it in time. So now it looks like I was hitting the face with a fist. I guess I could do that. I could say that story. But fortunately, I have a, a mustache, which hides the, uh, the explosion, the viral Woodstock that's going on just beneath the skin of my lip. I thought today was going to be a good day. I ate a fortune cookie this morning that was left over from a Chinese restaurant last night. And it was very positive. And then this cold sore thing happens, and now I'm sick, and then I neti potted, and of course, in the last month, two people have sent me articles about the neti pot, and people have gotten some sort of amoebic encephalitis from using, I guess, sewage water in their neti pot. I, I use boiled water. I know you're supposed to use distilled water, but I use boiled water. Some people, I think in New Orleans or Louisiana, must be using toilet water. Or maybe these amoebas are just in the water. I can't think about that. There's only so many microorganisms I can think about churning through my body right now. Now I know I've got a taste, a hint of flu virus, a bit of herpes virus on my mouth. And I I can't, there's no room for amoebas right now. 
Got no room for the amoebas. Fred Stoller, Fred Stoller's coming up, but he had some issues. He was concerned that he didn't talk about things he was doing or had done after we talked. So I got to call Fred. Hello? Fred Stoller. Mark, Mark. <laughs> you all right, buddy? I th- Mark, you know, the, the thing is, I'm uh, nothing personal. I, I didn't realize the cachet of your show, all these people coming up to me. Chris Rock mentioned, Eddie Murphy mentioned you, and and then I was listening to it more, and I hear people, man, Leafa had great stories about writing on Saturday Night Live, and I should have had great stories of me and Gilbert Gottfried in the truck, and the guy's driving us in the back because we're going to have sex with a girl, but we don't know where to go. Or I wrote on... Seinfeld a year, you didn't know that, and I should have told you stories about Larry David screaming, screaming at me to wait, be wait, assertive. Wait, wait, what did he screaming? What did he scream at you about? Well, first of all, he screamed at me to be assertive, uh-huh. you know, to come out of my office uh-huh. and, and be pushy. Uh-huh. So then I'd give him an idea, then he yelled, "That's stupid!" Uh-huh. And, and 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 then like I wasn't like as assertive as the Harvard guys. Right. They would go right in and pitch, and then I would be like napping in my office because I got exhausted trying to be pushy and wait for the door to open. And then uh, Jerry would make fun of my clothes. I have all these stories and of. I didn't realize, I forgot that I started with Eddie Murphy. I worked with him in Fort Lauderdale two weeks, in the comic strip, yeah. and I was the one who said, there was a, do you remember Charlie Barnett? Yeah, the, the street performer. Yeah, and he, 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 he got fired from Saturday Night Live. He was the black guy, yeah. but then he couldn't read. Right. So I said, Eddie, they need another black guy. So we, we you know, he, he, Eddie smacked my hand once because I was going for the toast at Denny's. You know how they put in the middle? Yeah. So I got all these stories, and I'm concerned because I want these comedy nerds to go, hey, man, Stoller, or he had great stories of Larry David yelling at him and calling him a doomed loser. And, and I didn't get those in, and I, I, I think I'm not a celebrity, and I was just talking about meandering around the grove right well look you, you know i think now uh, i'm glad we had this phone call i'm glad this is a good idea so now we know that uh larry david yelled at you told you to be more assertive called you a doomed loser that when charlie barnett lost the gig at snl because he couldn't read you were with eddie murphy in florida and you said they need a new black guy yeah. and then and then he swapped your hand because you went for the toast right because i realized what your podcast people love hearing norm mcdonald had great stories or this or that and i don't think i had you know, remember Mark Schiff had that book about, you know, comedy on the road, and all the stories were, hey, we had strippers, and we threw them in the pool, and we tied them to a car. They were all made up, and I right. was just being myself. No, no, no. It's all we need is yourself, you know, and, and, yeah. I, and, and I, I, I clearly remember it being a, a nice conversation okay, that we're going to okay. hear I right just, now. I, I just wanted to have, you know, I, I, I realized, and now with Todd, man, I never would have guessed that, so... I you got to have things people talk about. Well, are you are do you, are you gay? No, well maybe, but you know it's funny. People always go they're liberal, you know, I, I gay rights, but then they go, but you know who's gay? But still, they love hearing it. Yeah. But um, I just I really appreciate this because wow, um, like I said, I've had about a dozen people come up to me and think it's so funny. Chris Rock mentioned Eddie Murphy mentions me. Yeah. So the pressure now. You know? Well, no, you're a very influential person. You just need to assert yourself. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, 
now I got to decide with the Kindle Single. They go, is it going to be ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine? But Mark, you could have it for forty nine because you're a good guy. I appreciate it. So when does this go up? This, this uh... is going to be up this Friday unless I can't make a decision of how much it should be. Or um, now wait, now, yes. okay, tell me what 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 is what are they going to get for the money? Yeah, I, I had a book many years ago that you know I, I never knew what to do with it called Maybe We'll Have You Back about being a perennial TV guest star guy. And one chapter was writing on Seinfeld. So then I buffed it up. I know someone who said there's this new thing, Kindle Singles on Amazon, yeah. where you can just download like a mini, like Stephen King has one, Dean Koontz. This is who I got to compete with. Yeah. They're doing like things called singles. What do, you, what do you got to lose? Sell it for one ninety nine. Now I'm nervous. Yeah, it's a psychology because uh, the guy goes, if it's ninety nine, then it could go up more. More people buy it, but you say go for one ninety nine. Yeah, why not? What, what is, it's not even $2. It's, it's cheaper than a cup of coffee. That's the analogy to everything in the world. What? <laughs> coffee became the thing. <laughs> but so now, can we, can we go ahead and, and run the interview? Absolutely. Uh, man, you, you could have my Kindle book for 49 cents. Oh, I appreciate you're that. You're a good guy. All right, so, all right, so Fred, where everything's good, we're going we're gonna to roll the interview now. Okay, all right. Now, but I probably won't be able to listen to it. But... Oh, God. But but uh, no, you know why? You know why? Because I I I I'm not gonna. This has to. This has to mean a lot. Because I'll never get on nervous now. Because I put him down so much. So this is my one big podcast. Oh, that's a, that's what the song is about. <laughs> yeah, we got to run the song too. Uh, you're gonna do the song to great. Okay. All right. Thanks, Fred. Thank you. It's not a crazy hot day. Are you a sweating guy though? No, no, no. I I don't use deodorant. No? Yeah, I don't think I need it. I could be wrong. I didn't smell you. All right, all right. I don't use deodorant. I've never... Uh, I don't understand. Yeah, it doesn't seem why like... Why would you want to smell like that? I mean, like, I, and it doesn't stop in any person. It <coughs> doesn't stop sweat. I haven't used it. I mean, because I sweat a lot, so there was no uh -huh. stopping it. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, the deodorant, then you got to smell like that. And yeah. It, and it leaves that white stain in your... Uh, well, I don't ever see those pit stains I have. I mean, in heat waves, I have it on my, my chest now. Right. What do you think that is? Old? I think so old and yeah. I but what are you, you're always going to get it. You don't get it in your armpits? You only get it on your chest? No, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, I don't feel like I smell when I, after I shower. Don't people put the deodorant on after they shower? I don't know. I you, put, a, I use a little a patchouli oil sometimes just to smell better. I don't better. know anything about lotions or anything i just wash but you look so young you don't look I like you've changed i much. have i i used to be a stick figure i used to be 130 pounds that's right so when you look when i compare and i think because i was really really skinny so now i filled out so that that's that's helped I but guess. do you don't exercise i walk to the grove a lot yeah yeah i just walk a lot yeah, yeah. i don't do anything yeah but i mean i let, i'm trying to remember when i first met you that was that 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 Jerry Rubin thing, was that? What that was so weird, man. I mean, I can't. In my recollection, by the way, Fred Stoller is here. We're talking. Good, good. He was nervous when he got here. Yeah, because I, oh, I have anxiety about a lot of things because I I don't know this area and I'm trusting the GPS and, you know, even though I know rationally the GPS no understands how to get here. Yeah. You just sort of like to know you know where you're going. It's sort of this blind sure. trust. Sure, it's like cooking. You got to picture the uh, the, the product. The end, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and sometimes they're wrong, and sometimes the sound goes off. And right. Like I said, rationally, I know this doesn't have to start at noon, like the Tonight Show. Yeah. But it's still this 
I, I have I now I'm very rational when I know I'm being irrational. And and also I uh, no no, I've been listening to a lot and it's entertaining and I wanna the chance to talk about crazy stuff and, and I sent you this I feel like such a schmuck sending you this DVD. Please watch it. Oh, I'm not. I don't want to be that guy. When I used to do stand up, not one person ever came because I did a radio show and I've done this movie thing and, and I talk and no one cares. So I'd rather be entertaining. Somebody sent me a link to that ta- the song you made yeah. about the podcast. Well, you know, this is uh, you, you seem I was intimidated by you, to be honest, at first. From the old days? Or well, just recently? With, with this thing, because like I, this whole podcast world, right? Yeah. Some of them are snooty, and I don't want to name a few, but I will. Okay. And and there's, there's this thing, well, you could be on my thing, but I don't think you could carry the whole show. And uh, All right, there's this guy. Yeah. He works in the Apple Store. All right, I'm giving him away. And when I used he, to- he's a, he's a podcaster that works yeah, in the yeah, Apple Store. Yeah, and I used to come in there, and it was yeah. a novelty. Fred Stoller, you know, I'm a comedy nerd, and he'd help me and stuff. Yeah. But then I'm so retarded, I know nothing, and all to all the cool Apple guys, I'm yeah. just pest. Like, how does this work? And so and you're the guy that walk. Not only do you walk to the Grove, but you do it frequently. So there's a lot of businesses that know you. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the mayor of the Grove. I yeah. bumped into Norm McDonald, and and the trolley goes by, and I'm waving to it, shaking hands with kiosk guys. He said I'm from one of those uh, Turner Classic movies, <laughs> da, 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 like you know, like getting from the apples. 30s or yeah, 40s. yeah, yeah. Where like the, the musicals. Tro- yeah. Yes, the trolley goes by. How are you? Mr. Yeah. and the sunglass guy knows me and and it's yeah it's like I, I stopped doing comedy and that was my social life just going to a club i couldn't do it anymore and for for years before the growth How long? well i think 93 ish i stopped going to clubs why do i feel like i've seen you do you, you've done a few things well though. i kind of lie like I, I i've done dr cats 93 well that's when i 93 when i that's when i started getting like i can't do it anymore why couldn't you do it anymore um i don't know you know i i i, I people go don't you miss it and i i feel like i'm deceiving you being on this because you're not doing you know I, there's a it's a pleasure to see you i always liked you. you you know last time i saw you we did a voiceover for a thing that probably won't happen but it was right. funny um uh, from okay first of all the first time we met it was a very weird situation Right. We uh, we we had a common friend in this publicist who I was dating at the time, Stacy Nelson, and somehow or another, you know, she got him. Yeah, we hooked up. It was you, me, Ratso Sloman, yeah, who was a, a he, writer, ghost writer for you know, Howard Stern. I want to go on my rant about him, but when you have to, yes. But and then somehow or another, we're going to this event to in, see in Jerry, Westwood. I think it was to see Jerry Rubin, the a, '60s radical, right? And I was like, this sounds interesting. I want to meet Jerry Rubin, the '60s radical, and and Sloman didn't. No one gave us much information. And we get to this event that's basically some Tupperware. Sort of, or it was known as a pyramid scheme of yeah. vitamin people, and I don't know how Jerry was involved. He was part of it, trying to make money from it, right? Right. It was just it was this couple that had vitamin products, right, or health products. And there's Jerry Rubin, you know, one of the original yippies. <laughs> You know, introducing this couple that then they're hawking vitamins. It was one of the most tragic things. Yes. that I had seen. Next like to him getting hit by a car and get killed. Like this was more later. tragic. <laughs> to me the selling the vitamins you know the the voice of sort of like you know amplified uh clown like 60s radicalism right. you know like they, they really took you know street theater and, and radicalism to this new place uh with abby hoffman and krasner and a few other people and there he was in this weird rented space 
at night hosting an event where they served shitty health food and they were hawking vitamins and he was the spokesperson or something for this and I'm like this this is the death of all idealism it's not even like he became a capitalist he became this pathetic huckster for this bullshit and no one was even there it was fucking in my mind this is fucking Jerry Rubin and me and you and and Ratso and Stacy are sitting there like we, we I don't even think we hung out that long I don't yeah it was how long ago was that like long time it must have been like uh 92 91 but wow. see weren't you you were still doing comedy i was then. still doing stand-up I, I i i i did it you know i'm never one of these guys i bump into this guy i'm a comedian because i want to be a philosopher and and i i used to like love getting the light like you could get off oh you mean like it's yeah. done i couldn't wait for the light Where, but where'd you start new i york? started in new york at, at like first the improv briefly then catch in the, the original improv yeah 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 so you're like how old are you i'm 53 okay oh, so, so a lot of the uh the, the facebook crushes have just gone away but you were great. Name. But you're a little older than me. I'm 47, so you were already out of New York by the time I got there in '89. Yeah. So you, you were I there. I came to LA in '88. Right. So you were there. The original improv was. Sort I used of to in hang out with uh, Gilbert Gottfried and some other guy. He's so annoying. I don't want to even give him the the publicity or the acknowledgement because he call he calls me up and uh, it's, he's annoying. You ever have these, these people just seeing their name on Facebook annoys you? <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's he's annoying. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And in the original improv actually chris albrecht used to run it who's became this HBO he was the head guy. of hbo and now he's uh, at stars he's a he was a big oh. deal he changed the face of hbo he was uh, the guy he was a yeah. door guy right? yeah 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 he uh but this is towards the end of the original improv because i got there in 89 and it was sort of in its last row silver was running it he, she had had it for a long time but it was the original play. yeah when silver came i left and went up i don't think she I don't think I liked being there, I, you know. And then the strip and cash, and there was comedy was sort of like my adolescence, you know, because I didn't really go to college, and I was still a virgin. And how I, old? Nineteen. He started comedy. I started actually. I had a full start at seventeen, but then I came back when I was twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a virgin till twenty-one, and I remember I, I confessed to a woman on Facebook, a waitress, that I lied about my virginity. Because I'm socially retarded, and I didn't know how you bring a woman home, and you put your arm, and how do you have sex. So I used to, like, for an, it would take me an hour to, like, say, ask her, are we going to have sex? Because I needed the guarantee that we'd go there, and there'd be sex. I didn't know what you're supposed to do. To so, get there. Yeah, so I you, just had to get the guarantee there'd be sex. Verbal commitment. Yeah, so, but it would take me an hour to muster up the, the thing. So there was this one waitress, she was considering it, and she goes... The fact you're a virgin's attractive. Maybe let me think about it. Then a few months later, she goes, let's go to my place. And by then, I already had done it twice with other people. How did they go the first couple of times? Oh, it was, it was just, it's, it's people, I, I, I wasn't a virgin, a virgin until 21 because it was a, a nice thing. It was just, I couldn't get anyone. So it wasn't magic. I had to get it over with. And the first one was nothing to brag about not um, as you could see i'm a guy that brags but and i was just doing things i thought you're supposed to do in movies and taking the train home to my mother's house where i still lived i go i guess i did it so nothing you live with your mother i live with my mother till 22 and then i i lived in sheepshead bay all the way at the end of brooklyn i would Mm -hmm. I would I would live off cab fare. That was the first thing you. Could, it was a big deal at the improv when they you got promoted. You can get cab fare, 
before they paid you. And yeah. I, I would just eat a free meal and get a piece of pizza and, and and just take trains. But what drove you to comedy in the first place? I mean, did you ever go to Pips? Yeah, yeah. They, actually, I was pathologically shy. N nothing funny at, at all about me, which I'm proving now. That's not true. Now, you grew up in, in Sheepshead Bay. Yeah, and you, your mother, and you, what did your father fuck. do? My father... He does Jewish, right? Very yeah, Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, I'm very <laughs> Jewish. Except, you know something? I, I didn't even know till I did comedy that Jews were a minority. It was all the menorahs. And they hated our family because we weren't good Jews. We, yeah. I didn't go to temple. And my friend would, my friend's father, I'm going to wish you a happy Shechacha, even though you're practicing to be a Goyim. It was all us against them. The, yeah. the, the Schwitzes, the Schwarzes, the Goyim, the Shabakis. Yeah. So I never liked that whole. Yeah, us against them. The, thing. the Jewy Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I was, I, I think I, I wanted to be a character. I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to be. So I would see people like Jimmy Walker, and he was like really skinny, and and, and I would or her Edelman, these character actors go, wow, that's someone like me. Yeah. So I didn't know how you you become that. And then I went to Pips with my older sister. Yeah. And we actually saw Richard Lewis and Billy Crystal before they were famous. And I remember Rich Billy Crystal was doing a bit about season Nick tickets and his kids. I go, wow, he's not famous, but he could support himself. And this is before the comedy boom. Yeah. Then I heard stories. Oh, Jimmy, uh, Freddie Prince did his act at the Improv. Then he got on the Tonight Show. Then he got a sitcom. So I go, oh, that's how you do it. Well, what was your what was your family thoughts on it? Because you're in oh. high school, right? I was uh, first, uh, I think, at Kingsborough Community College. Or, yeah, yeah, graduating high school. But then, yeah. you know, the thing is. It was almost like I was gay, but we don't talk about it because um, my mother, and I'm not saying this to be funny, she freaked, see, this is in 78 and comedy wasn't where it is now where every cab driver, it's college yeah. courses. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's more, it's more absurd that someone in LA doesn't do stand up in some way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In some kind of, yeah. every second on Facebook, right. see my comedy show. I didn't know you're a comedian or, so it was really, my mother just knew, you know, Jackie Vernon and and I, I love Jackie Vernon. Yeah, yeah, that's all she knew. That was the first comic I ever saw in, in, on television that resonated with me. Was Jackie Vernon on a TV show doing that slide show? You know, you know, the first one that resonated me, and I'm stealing from him is Buddy Hackett because he told on the Tonight Show he lost his virginity at 23, and I go, "Wow, a guy on TV admitting that." But, but but it's Buddy Hackett. <laughs> so yeah. so so I so now I'm so proud. This is my Buddy Hackett moment. I'm helping people out there that. They right. haven't lost their virginity. Yeah, sure. You They're going to go that schmuck Fred Stoll and look how he ended up. But I, uh, I loved Buddy Hackett too. Yeah, yeah. So that's what my mother knew. So then I was very, very, very depressed, which is which is hard to believe. Which, which is one reason. Then? Uh, yeah, which is one reason why I will never kill myself because it won't be a shock. Like Richard Jenny, a shock. Yeah. But with the girl Fred, we see that coming. Yeah. You know, you mean, so I, I, I've thought of suicide. I like your bit that it's relaxing, but too many people will be go, well, that's Fred. So that keeps me not that killing myself. That keeps you myself. alive that yes. you don't want to be predictable? Yes. <laughs> that it's like, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, all right, when was this going to happen already? But you seem like, uh, the, lately when I've run into you, you seem okay. I mean, you were, were you morosely depressed as I a was, young man? And you know something... I, I yes, I, 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 I used to have this fantasy that I'd wake up and my life was a bad dream. I was a good-looking kid, and yeah. not skinny, in Long Island. My parents were nurturing. So my, my, my growing up was a nightmare. And I used to, 
I heard if there was a nuclear attack, they'd hit the Empire State Building first. I used to walk around looking at it, picturing the thing yeah. coming. Yeah. So I guess I get. Oh, oh no, no! I remember this Happy Days episode. Yeah. Where the aliens came down. Yeah. And they said, we'll take, I think, Richie to our planet, but you could never go back to Earth. Yeah. I go, man, give me that. Give me that. <laughs> I used to think. <laughs> so I was very depressed. So when I, qu I quit college to be a comedian, when I passed auditions, my mother, and I could see why she didn't get it. No one got I was very, very, very shy, but I wasn't. A funny guy. Where did you I, audition? The Improv at Catch? Yeah, I never did that thing, do chilies and yeah, the, no, the yeah. triple in. No. I just knew the improv. And I actually started at 17 and, and, and couldn't do it. And then came back when I was 20. And you Bob, couldn't do it because you couldn't handle it? I couldn't handle went? the rejection. I couldn't handle the train ride. I just couldn't. It was, I can't imagine how nuts you made yourself. Well, the thing is, I remember yeah. that being so shy, yeah. that people still don't get, how could you be a comedian? And so you're shy. Could I, I, I experienced that too. I know the same feeling. You feel socially awkward, and then you go do that. It's some way to transcend it. Well, but first of all, I, I thought of them as a clump. People one-on-one -on -one is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're just a clump. People one-on-one. -on -one, it's more complicated. And also, I, I had my head down, and I'd look, I, I didn't look at them, and I did nooses with the thing. And if I saw someone in the audience, I, if I knew someone I knew was there, I couldn't do it. I'm not one of these guys, bring Ricky and all my friends. No, I, hey. I used to hate that, too. And I hated when I did Caroline's, because every fucking relative. The original one on Ninth? I, no, I did, the, I did that, but when I headlined, I did the- Seaport. Um, Seaport, and every relative, every person I didn't want, everyone from school- and I, you know, it's advertised, so oh, I so they feel it. like they're they're entitled to come. I used to tell people not to come. Yes, like you don't have to come. Yeah, my parents, uh, Pips. One time they peeked in through the window. Yeah, and just seeing these schmucks, you know, like seeing does he really do it? But my mother um, freaked out. Not only did I quit college, um, you're you're smart. You know about history, but she was telling me eh, not really that the people that they take to war are the ones that don't go to college and I was going to get killed. But there was no war in 78. But I think China invaded Vietnam or something and said, now you're going to get killed. That's who goes to the war. So That's what she said to you? Yes. You said, I'm going to be a comic. She goes, you're going to die in the war. Yes. And I said, there's not a war. She goes, no, no, Vietnam got taken over or something with China. I, yeah. I don't know. So basically, this is true. I'm not saying this... I jokes from my act with things she said verbatim because she couldn't understand the concept of being a comedian. Yeah. Now, like I said, it's it's more common than you know whatever uh, working in a bookstore. Yeah. And you can she, do both. Yeah. <laughs> it is the same. Yeah. Those borders. <laughs> so she goes, "I'm not going to tell people you're a comic. I'm going to say you're retarded." I swear. And I put in my act, and it's true because it was easier to just say there's something wrong with Freddie. And so my father would sometimes drive me to the um, the train station. And he, to, when I would try to audition, and he wouldn't even say good luck. He, my father really didn't talk. He, I think he probably had Asperger's because he was an artist, and we didn't know what it was. What kind of artist? He designed displays for like Revlon and things, but he would just sit in the garage and make trains and not talk. And your mother talked. Yeah, she. Morris, talk something. I'm the bad one. Morris, say something <laughs> with company. And I'm like him because. He would pretend he was reading to withdraw. Like he'd yeah. look at, like I'm not saying this would be funny, a matchbook cover or 
Yeah. Or, and I do that with my iPhone. They go, you're a tech guy? I go, no, it's just easy to see if I got an email <laughs> or see if I got a Twitter friend. Or to not talk to you who's trying to talk to no, me. No, no, I'm not. If I, no, I was, no, no, I mean, in general. No, no, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> in general, it's easy just to, I don't know what I did before. Before Twitter, before I mean, say, iPhones, I'd either go in the party, look at the books, or go to the yeah. cat. Go to the cat. Yeah. I still, yeah, I can understand that. It's, uh, no, so I did it uh, before the comedy boom. The first job was Pips and this Garvin's that I think Larry David originally booked, then Rich Scheidner booked. So in New York, I was spoiled in that I could make a living doing New Jersey, Long Island, Connecticut, and just having to do 20 minutes, and it wasn't so painful. But it never felt right, and then I'd have to go on the... Then I moved to but, LA. But, but never felt right. I mean, it didn't start feeling right to me till two years ago. I guess it never felt natural. I'm never one of these guys. You know those guys that get the light, I'm fucking killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I haven't either, but I mean, but still, I mean, the discomfort of it. I, you know, maybe we didn't get into it for... Who knows why we got into it? Because if you're that uncomfortable, and you actually stopped in 93, I was you know, pretending to not be uncomfortable for most you know, of my career. You know, I went career. through this phase. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Well, no, that's all right. I said, why don't I love it? Am I a sore loser? Am I lazy? And it took me years to accept my heart fell out of it. I still, you know, write, I'm doing a, a but you were always, series. But you were always terrified, right? Yeah. No, I, I just meant the whole going into oh, a oh, club. Fighting the fight. Hanging out with yeah. comics that are... Just doing the same joke in LA to kill, to get say something, you got to kill. To kill, you got to do the same jokes, and you got to walk around with the notebook. How do I recreate that joke? Why did it work? Why didn't it work? It's it's. I remember when I, when Tom Hanks was researching punchline. Yeah, he um he he put together a fairly decent act. Right. He did it. He did the movie, and then he put it away. So it's this over and over. I remember. Bobcat was saying he's going to write movies because when you do do jokes, it goes in the air. And but this is a script. I wrote it. Even mm -hmm. if no one does it, this is the thing. Yeah, it's done. So I think I the repetition, the hanging out, the but you got breaks, right? I mean, yeah. you did all right. You did the Tonight Show with Johnny, right? Yeah, I did some HBO stuff. Yeah, I never did one of those half hour things, but no. But you did Tonight Show with Johnny. I did. I did. I made a. You could make a living for a while in the early '90s doing oh, evening at the Improv, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, right, right, right. Caroline's Comic Strip Live, and I think that messed me up because they'd have these people I didn't. But what was your first break? What do you can? I, I I've had the people, Tonight Show. No, that was very anticlimactic. I did it uh, with. Um, uh, some yodlers and no guests. I did. I did Letterman the, the day the space shuttle blew up, so no one watched it. <laughs> did I, you? When did you do? You did Carson though. I did Carson. With yeah. yodlers. There were yodlers, and, and it was like towards the end. It was Doc Severinsen playing a song, and it was weird because I did my act and I didn't meet Johnny. It's like. Did you do well? I guess I, you know, by then I had done a million of those evening at the improv shows and people would say, I saw you on the Tonight Show. I go, I've never been on it. Yes, you are. I go, okay. <laughs> so it's at that point where there was no difference almost. It still isn't really to right. some people. I mean, there's one, there's the exceptions, Ray on Letterman and Drew Carey broke on Carson, but it, it became, yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't say I, people go, what was your break? You mean in, in acting or in no, but I mean, no, as a stand-up, when you knew, like, all right, so I'm doing something that, you know, I've succeeded. This is like, an, uh, like you, you know, this shows that I am good at this. 
not necessarily financial break, but I mean the reward. There had to be. I mean, I was around with for that for those shows. I did all those shows too. Ian, what was what was Rosie's called? It was out here in Pasadena, uh, stand right? Up, stand up, stand and up then, spotlight. Yeah, right? out in Pasadena at the Ice House, and then the Caroline's Comedy Hour. They shot those Rich at the Jenny, Southport, all right? Those. But then they shot at the new one. They did both, right? I don't know if Rich Jenny. I don't remember who hosted there the was, first one. Jake Johnson. MTV Hansen, had I think. one with Mario Joyner. Right, and then there's also the one that, uh, the A-List that Richard which, 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 which people called A-List. Yeah. Sandra, I'm on A-List because it was everybody. Well, yeah. right, Sandra did it, and then Richard did the last season of it. Jenny I, did that one too? No, no, Richard Lewis. Lewis, Lewis. Jenny did Sa- Caroline's. Right. And right. then the evening the improv was hosted by whoever was in town that There was week. one I did when I was- John Biner hosted comedy on the road. Yes, yes. Oh, and all of them, I was doing the same jokes because they had these guys that justify their jobs. Freddie, I want to see a tape. And uh, that I always do the same voice. And uh, see your jokes. So they'd always say, do this joke. Do the ones that killed the other time on Comics Trip Live. So I'm doing the same jokes. And out of my insecurity, I always had to do some surefire ones in the beginning to get them going. That's just called being a comic. comic. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I really was very repetitive and I was hating because I did all these stupid cable little three-minute shows. All right, but then you start, but what was your big goal? Was it So if it wasn't to be a headliner, it was just what, to get TV work? Or you My didn't goal know? as a comic or in general? In general, and as a comic, <laughs> I think I never again. I never had happy? the. I never had the goal to do Carnegie Hall or have albums or be, no, no, never to be Bill Cosby and. Well, why were you doing comedy? I think, like I said, I di- I knew the real world wasn't for me. I knew there'd be n- no job I could do, and then I'd see character actors like schmucky guys. I go, I'm like them. And like I said, then I The heard, guy who walks on and he's weird? Well, I remember like in Dog Day Afternoon, there was one guy in the beginning that chickens out. Yeah. I go, that's who I could be. I'd sit up on my seat. And I was seeing a therapist. He goes, don't you think you should have bigger goals? And maybe he's right because I guess <laughs> I got that. You know, like I always go, who's oh, that guy? I hope he comes back in the movie. <laughs> you know, I never saw myself being Clint Eastwood or a, a macho guy. So or a, So you knew your limitations. And I think, I think I'm paying the price. You know, some- like Paul Sand, do you know who he is? Mm-mm. He was in the Hot Rock. He he was a character actor that again isn't doing anything because that was who I aspired to be. Or Donald Sutherland in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, and I met him, and he's an asshole. So don't meet your idols. Really, where'd you meet him? I was I was an extra in this movie, Heaven Help Us. Yeah, uh, do you remember it with uh, kind of Catholic school? They yeah. became Catholic boys, and there were like four hundred extras. And they were, the DAD was treating us like shit. Hey, guys, if you're good, I won't take your drugs away. So he goes, any comedians? You know, he was looking to kill time. And one guy went up, and I said, I'm a comedian. Yeah. And I got up, and I killed because I was sort of a professional comedian. And Donald Sutherland goes, get off. Anyone could do jokes doing religious jokes because it was Passover, and I was talking about being Jewish yeah. and working in Catholic boys. And because he was trying to be funny, and when and then I'd see him throughout the set, and he wouldn't look me in the eye, and he pushed me off. And then the the AD brought me up again. He goes, "No." So, oh, really? And because of that, I hate Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, you hate the whole Sutherland I, clan. I, I hate them all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he was an ass. So okay, so then you did okay. We did we did Doctor Katz. We were on the same Doctor Katz, were we? I think we were. I feel like I, we were not in the same room, but this is funny. I, no, I, I did two of them, and I think you and I are on one. I bumped into this guy at a supermarket. I won't say his name because kind of putting him down. But he goes, "Hey, I saw you on Doctor Katz." I go, "Yeah." He goes, "They're going to use me. I got a gimmick." 
I got glasses. No one's been on Dr. Katz that wears glasses. Then you ruined, you crushed his it. dreams. <laughs> you know, did you, hey, did he you, had it all worked out. He's did, calling them up. Going, did you see him afterwards? And he said that I, I ruined it? <laughs> or you just say you're that just That bastard Mark Maron. <laughs> With his glasses. <laughs> you know, so you- I've never got that one before. You, you know, I, I know someone else, um, and she was doing Dr. Katz, and she was calling them up going, what do you have me wearing? And she goes, they had me look fat. And it would be funny because people would recognize me. Go, I saw you on Dr. Katz. And I go, do they recognize me as the squiggly guy? But You have a very distinctive voice. Right, it was the voice. But but answering your question, it was just an accumulation of once in a while people go, hey, I've seen you on something. So I never had one thing where, no, where that was it. But you've done a lot of television work. I'm I'm not bitter or I'm just saying in general, you get to a point. I I just listened to Steve Martin's uh, book on tape. Yeah. Did he read it? Yeah, he oh, did. Oh, that's great. I couldn't, I, it took me a while to get through Gilbert's because he's, ah, and, and, and Are you still friends it. with him? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it, in this business to find friend, like you, hey, you know, yourself. You got guys, everybody loves you. Oh, Nobody, thank I'm, you. No, I'm not, I'm not saying. But I mean, do you have, who are your comic friends? You know, this is weird. When, you mean friends meaning, well, I, I have. Who do you talk to, Fred? Do you, uh, I mean, Rakowski was in your was yes, in the movie. Yes, you know, I, I, made I, them, I hadn't seen him in so long since I saw him in you your know, movie. I used to love him. Yeah, my, my friends became the guys like me that couldn't go near comedy clubs. and Bill Rakowski. Yeah, this guy George Calva, who's funny, but probably no one's heard of him. Yeah. You know, um, Kelly Rogers sometimes. Um, and... Uh, I just walk around the Grove a lot aimlessly and bump into people, but hanging out, you know... What the, this Grove thing is kind of interesting to me because I used to do that when I was younger and I lived on the Lower East Side and I was doing the comedy thing and I was walking around with a notebook. I used to make these rounds almost every day. You know, I, I go to the bookstore, I say hi to the guy, I go to the guitar store, yeah. I say hi to that guy, I play guitar, well, what I, was, I go to the place exa- where I got coffee. It's well, comforting. Well, yeah, but when I, I was saying when I stopped hanging out at clubs before the Grove, I would either... Go hang out. I had a trifecta. I'd go to Tower Records, Video, and Book Soup and listen to sample music till midnight and then go home. It just it made me feel I was interacting, listening to sample music. Then I would go to Third Street Promenade, which is 10 miles away, and just to walk among people. I, Jonathan Katz said something. He goes, where do you hang out? I said, I walk up and down the Third Street Promenade hoping to bump into someone. He goes, what, do you walk around blindfolded? And uh, <laughs> so, so, so it's almost like a bookstore. It's because in L.A. you don't have a neighborhood feel. So now the Grove... You know, I, 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 there's a table in the morning. They told me to mention it where it's Paul Mazursky. And oh, yeah, I've Ronnie heard about Shell. that. Who told you to mention that? The guy at the table this morning. Mention us! And meanwhile, it's just, it's this. to be honest, I go there at the table. Who end. else is there? Mazursky? George Siegel sometimes. This younger guy, Greg Pritikin, who doesn't invite me to other things. I feel left out. And how often do you do that? Well, this is the thing. I never got into coffee, but to give me a routine, I got addicted to lattes because if you sit by yourself at the Grove, you're a mental patient. If you just sit with your head down, but if I drink a latte, I'm a regular guy. Yeah. So so this thing gives me a routine. I get a fruit salad. I, I sit. Uh, this guy, Ronnie Shell, sometimes Alan Havy goes there. Um, and I get there at the tail end. Sounds like two tables. How many Sometimes. people? Sometimes, like there's some people? guys I don't like. Like this one, one guy's like a reviewer, and uh, this kind of 
Then they get mad. Why'd you invite Zone to the table? He ruined it. They have this thing. They make it such a big deal. It's a like, big schwit, uh, schwit, yeah, What do you call it? Guy, spritzing. If some guy spritzing, did, kibitzing. Some guy didn't get laughs. They kick each other. Oh, really? Um, so they're sitting around doing bits and like doing, riffing off of things, and they're doing bits and. Some people hold court, or if they—it's such an honor to I be at the table. That. If one—if yeah. they bring one guy that's not good, they get mad and yell at him the next day. So uh, but that's sort of. And then I just—I walk around Barnes and Noble. I bump into people. It's TMZ. Sometimes my only interactions is the TMZ camera guys, which I'm not going to let them tape me anymore. They tape you? Yeah, they do it. First, it was this thing. Who is this? They're making fun of me that I'm an unknown. I didn't ask to be on TMZ because they're at the Grove. They stand at the movie theater and wait for people to come in. So sometimes one guy goes, hey, Fred, to show I'm working on the holiday, I'm going to tape you. Saying he knows I'm going to get rejected. Right. But just to prove... That he's on no top. Yeah. So, so they, at first, they would have me once in a while. They're all, all the TMZ smart asses. Who's this schmuck? And and so I've been on it a few times, like, and they always groan on not this loser again, and I'm not going to do it again because you mean in the room on the yeah, show, yeah, all the snarky, yeah, comedian or whatever they are, like who's Fred Stoller? Oh, and then Harvey like groaned the last time. Oh, him. I'm not saying I'm a celebrity. Put me on TMZ. So now I'm not going to say anything. So they they just because they're bored, they tape you, and then yeah. it makes it onto the thing. One, and- many times it doesn't. Like I said, like one time there's a new TMZ guy, and the other guy goes, "No, no, he's here every day. Don't do it." Harvey gets mad. So or, or sometimes if I say something like Kathy Griffin's an asshole, I like it, or yeah. Ray Romano makes a lot of money. Oh, we got a scoop! What's that weird guy, Fred? You know, you know. So, so you have a concern about becoming a character? Well, I, I, I don't need this unsolicited rejection. Like I walk by, they go, "Oh, Fred, they, they got mad. There's a mandate. No more of you. You're not a celebrity." Or, or if uh, bullies, yeah. I, it's yeah. I call it red carpet comedy, like best week ever. I hate right. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, this guy's a loser. And but do you fi- do you have people at these places? So you go hang out at the table sometimes if you're feeling up to it. Yeah, and then you you go to the bookstore. Yeah, and then but yeah, people you say I, hi I like to. The, I like I like the best week camera guys. I talk to them a lot. Yeah, I like them. I don't like that they when they put me on they all go this asshole again. Yeah. Yeah, because you didn't ask for that. I but, didn't. I didn't say I'm a celebrity. Put me on TMZ. But basically, you're a New York guy. You know, you're 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 a guy that's sort of isolated. You're not, you're yeah. socially awkward. So you go out, and and, I, and feel- I always say I could deal with people in three minute increments. That's what's great about the Grove. I would these a lot of people I wouldn't call up. Yeah, and but you know it makes you feel connected. Yes, as opposed to sitting at home in your house. Yeah, going nuts. And people go, "Why are you here every day?" Why the hell not? I get out. I see things. Why did you ideas. stop doing comedy in 1993? I mean, was it a conscious decision? You just couldn't cut it, it, it anymore? It was, was the depression so bad? It was It was gradual where I was getting these severe TMG, TMJ headaches, blinding. I just hated just... My act didn't really work for 45 minutes to an hour. They'd switch me with the middle or, you know, or I'd be on, some, I'd be on some radio show and... And that I'm supposed to be getting people, and I think I, I like the Steve Martin book. He 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 quit because he liked he wanted to interact and not be so isolated. But I'm like Steve Martin, except I'm not Steve Martin, and didn't have the amazing success to put it aside. In a perfect world, I'd have other creative successes and go. I did stand up. I took it as far as I could take it. Unless you're like you or David Tell or Dom Herrera, one of these guys that really does it and loves it and goes from show to show. You know, I just started doing that though, because I'm more like you 
than I am like those guys. Really? Yeah, because for years I didn't, uh, you know, I was not a successful comedian. And, you know, it's arguable now. I remember when I was doing stand-up when Robin Williams was uh, doing Moscow on the Hudson. And I remember he's doing a movie and then he, he'd come in at night and do sets all night. I'd go, wow, if I was in a movie... I'd be just trying to get to sleep and be excited. So I think all my dreams... No, I get that too, though. All, I my, mean, all yeah. my dreams were just... I, I When I do sitcoms, I hate studio audiences. I like... I don't need the roar of the the roar of the roar fake crowd because that's what it yeah. is. I, I don't need... Uh, da, da, no, no, but I, I think them. we did... The reason I relate to you is I think that we did stand-up so we wouldn't be invisible. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I for my ego, I like when someone goes, hey, I've seen you, you're funny. Sure. Or... or or just on, on, on Facebook, on Twitter, I like if a, a joke's retweeted. and uh, So I like, uh, yes, I'm, uh, but I don't like hanging out in the clubs doing doing an act for an hour. It doesn't feel natural to me. I, well, I don't mind doing that because I like, I, I, you know, I, I've gotten better over the years. But I think that, like, just so you know, like for me, for years, because I did so many other things and I, you know, I did radio for a little while, I never had a draw on the road. I'd go out on the road. I'd have that same, I, I'd never get switched with the middle, but but I wouldn't draw people. And then I'd, I'd, I'd hate that feeling. I, I, did, I was never that comfortable when I was younger going into, into radio shows and, and, you know, this expectation there would seem so unnatural. But what happened to me, I mean, I mean, in in a similar way that happened to you is I stopped giving a shit, but I didn't want to stop doing it. it. You know, when I started doing the podcast, I had nothing. I couldn't get work. I couldn't get nothing. Get out of here. Yeah, no. Did you do stand up spotlight? No, I did all the shows. I did Conan all the time. I did you, you know half hour specials. Show. Yeah, you know, uh, but that was years ago, and it wasn't really a comedy showcase. And I liked the comedy I did, but I just you don't know what clicks or why anything clicks. But in, you know, in the sensitivity area, I was the same as you. I was completely self conscious. Uh, I never felt like. I really? did what was necessary to kill. You know, when I was younger, I would do it because I was angry and more focused. But as I got older and more sensitive, it was, you know, became like, um, but I but I can't do it. You know, I know I can, you know, I've done it. See, I always say you can't dabble. You, and, no, and, I never dabbled. I never. I'm saying, I'm saying that's why I had to stop. You got to be the guy that wants that. Like, I tried doing it. It's uh, what I do. And I wanted to do other stuff. Okay. And, and then 10 years ago, I did it again to see if I missed it and I'm at the ice house and I like comics but not in a room we're in a green room and and they're sitting around talking I know prevents a show you know but uh, that's did you different. do that no why I wasn't asked and um maybe if he does another season who knows but I I, I that's different that's the green the, room. We, the thing show. I don't understand is like how you know we are a clan a community of socially awkward people one way or the other. You get people who, who can't shut up. You get people with bravado. But there's also a lot of socially awkward well, guys amongst us. I'm not aggressive. I think a lot of... Yeah, but you must have been embraced. I mean, me, I Yeah, mean, but I'm saying a lot of comics like you, Dennis Leary, they... If you have social flaws, you overcompensate and you're very confident. Like right. Alan Havy, yeah, babe, yeah, 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 yeah. I never learned overcompensation. And uh, I don't have... I don't really... You but you weren't really... rejected by the comic community. You just decided you didn't yes. want to be there. Well, I was rejected for like HBO specials. No, but, but I mean by us, by no, comics. No, right. no, right. I, uh, no, 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 no. But I'm yeah. saying it. I always wanted to get off stage. I, I never understood why guys like Kindler do the bookstores and. Yeah. I think I was spoiled in New York. I did the comedy boom, and you can make a living. Like I said, yeah, doing. Right. Then you come out here, and you either work for free at a bookstore, or you have to go on the road Tuesday through Sunday. So. I didn't have that love of it where I wanted to do it for free did, did, after did, making a living. Did for your so parents long. ever uh, support you? Ever? 
My mother, when I would do a TV show, my, my sister said she would hide in the other room where the, she couldn't look. And what if he doesn't do good? So I think my father was proud, but he, he like I said, I think he's like Rain Man-ish. He could never say Are I'm they proud. still alive? My father passed away. Sorry. And my mother, thank you, um, she she's only proud if someone else validated it. I guess you're good. Someone said they saw you on The Nanny. So- if someone, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> it's just, um, I, she still, and I did all my jokes about her, so she never liked it, but um, <laughs> I mean. That's their biggest fear, and also their biggest joy. Well, let me ask you about you, yeah. with your, now do you, be, before the podcast, mm-hmm. did you have something you go, I could be doing this instead of stand-up? Is that why maybe they you started in the trenches? Fade. Well, no, they sort of faded away, and I always loved comedy, and I always wanted, like, I felt, I blame myself. I didn't really blame the business that much. Ultimately, I thought, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, finishing my jokes right. Maybe I'm not, you know, putting enough focus on them. You know, maybe they're too esoteric or too thinky. And then, like, as I, as, like, when I started doing this, I, I, I didn't have anything else, and I no longer could give a shit anymore. I couldn't hang my hopes on other people making decisions about me. And the, you know, I had no idea what this was going to do. But now, when I go out and do stand up, I really have no fear at all. That's and great. and uh, you know, and I and I and I have a few people coming out to see me. I don't fill theaters, but I have enough support to feel very comfortable. Well, and even great. if I don't, you know, I've got skills. I mean, I've been doing this all my life, and I never stopped doing it. And I, you know, I, you know, I always did it every week. Well, maybe if I got to a point where people came to see. me, me and I didn't have to, yeah, have this, it, something was at stake. Like, I think what, I had the delusion that maybe I could be a character actor. Like, I remember arguing with a girlfriend, don't you see I could maybe be like Jeff Goldblum? No, I don't, what? I don't know. And <laughs> so I was going, please reassure me I could be like Jeff Goldblum. So I think I had the delusion and stuff. I could be, you know, Steve Buscemi kind of yeah, guy. Yeah. So I think, and then I started getting a little guest star parts. So that helped me wean away from it. Yeah. The fact, all right, this is my next chapter. And it's funny, what happened with guest stars is I got into a false comfort zone like stand-up. With stand-up, I was in a false comfort zone where I go, oh, I'm on stage. People see I'm being funny. That'll lead to something else. It didn't. Then I started doing <laughs> delivery guy parts and going, the network people see I'm being funny. That It led to more delivery guy parts. Yeah. So I remember towards the end, I loved filling up spaces on the calendar, but I hated the work. I loved the feeling of Washington and putting in, <laughs> filling the calendar. And I used to fill it up and then hope something came up and I could get out of it. <laughs> Did you ever do that? Yes. Like, I don't want to do, I couldn't say no, and I really didn't want to do the job. Yeah. And I was praying I could make something up to get out of it a well, week I before. Mean, I'm, I'm more, I have more in common with you than, than you would think. Than, well, no, the, I just, I, I mean. I thought you were like a David Tell guy. David Tell on his birthday has to do 17 sets. And Louis C.K., what, could you believe this guy writes his own shows and does every show about five minutes of great stand-up? How does he do both? Well, he's just, you know, he's in a groove and he, and he loves it and he's a, a real worker. Oh, yeah. You know, when you have the innate fear or sensitivity uh, around rejection yes. and that sort of guides your life more than, you know, the joy of transcending it, you know, everything becomes dread you want to fill with dread all the time i'll tell you something funny mark being an old guy but when i first started doing stand-up and when i was in a groove in the comedy people go that must be the hardest thing in the world how do you do it i go what are you talking about the hardest thing in the world and it wasn't because it was the comedy boom you effortlessly got jobs all you had to do to get work was pick up the phone rick messina they'd call comics you know well if you had a car comics got work because they can drive to jersey yeah so and the hard part was initially 
do get in your act. But once you had the comfort of these jokes will get me going, yeah. I didn't understand. Now I understand it's the fucking hardest thing until I got older. It's more the hanging out, the repetition, the everyone eventually and also that moment on stage sometimes where you realize you're not getting over and that you know and then like you know all you have is what you have and if that isn't getting over then it's it's a very horrendous humiliating lonely place up there i would see i was very low-key and subtle and i remember i do my big saver closer which was just maybe a good joke i didn't have and in the middle and it bombed yeah or did you ever have this where you're killing and but then you do your one new joke and it bombs and you're miserable. Yeah, I mean, like the the, the style I work in, I wasn't really constricted by jokes and I improvise an awful lot. So you know, I you know, it's it's become different. But I, I understand everything you're saying that the dread uh, was was oh. was over, was over overtook everything uh, absolutely so, so like the relief of even doing a good set was not enough to to sort of uh, comfort exactly. you through the and chronic dread oh, i was gonna say when i tried coming back if you see if i missed it i thought even if let's say i get laughs i still have an agenda okay i'm funny maybe i could do a special i still have the result orientation of so what i get laughs what does this lead to like i feel good doing this i feel good hanging out with friends and getting laughs in a conversation i don't feel i need to get well, up there well you don't feel well it's not your job right now yeah and for and my you ego don't, and yeah. you don't want it as a job no exactly it became a job especially because i got spoiled in the comedy boom right where... so this movie that i watched uh uh fred and Vinny, mm-hmm. uh i i thought was 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 heavy it made my heart heavy but i understood it it's about isolation it's about isolation you, and you say it's based on a true story yeah i i, I knew this guy Vinny, who was agoraphobic but he was the happiest agoraphobic, and he lived vicariously through me. So everything I did was an adventure, going to the video store. Did he live in another town? He lived in the Philly area. So that's all true in the movie. Yes. And, and you he, would talk on the phone. And he was the adoring parent I never had. And I'd call him up, and he, he just loved every syllable, every story. It's so funny because like you're, you're, it, the, the thing that was, was really interesting about the movie, and I guess in, 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 in about your real life, is that you have this relationship with your guy, with this guy Vinny over the phone. He's living vicariously through you. But the way you described your life, no one would say, wow, that is an adventure. I know. Everything I did... You know, because my mother's the opposite, where everything is shameful. I remember when she, she wouldn't want to see my first apartment, but she needed the bathroom because she didn't want to see how I lived, you know, and I had to lead her like she didn't want to look. She closed her eyes yes, and you walked and her, in her, her to the bathroom? I swear. Yeah. So she, everything was shameful. But Vinny, it's... The, Man, oh my God! Oh, they did a cartoon of you. I'm screaming, man! I'm screaming! Oh my God! And your cat went in the sink and lied there. <laughs> Everything. How'd you meet that guy? Actually, I know it's another contradiction. He tried comedy in, in the '80s, and just did it in the Philly area, then quit. And we became fast friends. And then he became this non-functional guy, sort of living in an attic for free and living with people for free. And and he was, yeah, great until he came out to stay with me so you lived here in la and you kept in touch with him over the phone all the time and then and then you asked him to move in with you no 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 he said hey man i want i may want to try being an extra i may want to try doing what you do he said that he would stay with me and alternate with other comics who said they'd put him up and they, I, some other guys knew him yeah so i thought man Vinny in la and i thought it'd be so great to show him where all these things happened turned out he got evicted for his thing for free and he had nowhere else to put him up. That was what was behind his move? Yeah. And and then I didn't get to show him my amazing life. He just lied on my floor and sulked. 
So how long did that go on for? A few months. Yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, what happened? The uh, it's like a love story. Can't wait to him to come out, and then yeah, it's just a disappointment. Yeah, and then what happened? I'm hoping someone will see this movie. But what happened in the real relationship? Real relationship, which I'm giving the movie away, but that's okay. Is um no no he came out, I he. There was no end in sight. I, I, I was he drove just, you crazy. Yeah, and I had no money at the time to get rid of him, and I felt guilty, like because it's not black and white. It's not like Tom Arnold, John Belushi, a uh, Jim Belushi guy burping and spitting on the floor. He was trying, but yeah, I know this makes sound compelling, but we were estranged for many years because I hated myself for being so needy. I needed this pathetic guy's validation and wondering if it deceived me. So it was an estrangement and an arc yeah. and. Uh, all the stuff. I'm but did what happened in the movie really happen at the end? I'm not going to say. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's 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 a very thoughtful and very it's it. You know, I I I can appreciate movies like this in 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 the way that like I understand it. I I'm a comic. I you know I know people right. like that. I have those feelings. Right. Uh. And and it's it's but it's difficult. You know because we are socially awkward guys and we do live a life not that no one else lives. I can never see you socially awkward. You'll go from one chick to another. You're the slick guy that's smart on stage. It's funny. Well, right. Well, but but underneath that. Like I had to, you know, it took me, it it took me a long time to be comfortable with myself. Well, you know, whatever, you know, I manufactured to, to deal, you know, just turned out to be a little better than yours. You know, mine was, (laughs) (laughs) everyone's is better than mine, (laughs) but it's a very touching movie. So uh, what, what happened? Uh, how was it available by the way? That's the thing. I feel like I'm a comic, like going on these radio shows in Texas, and no one sees it. It's right now just at festivals, and I'm, uh, you know, it drove me crazy. Just I had to go on Facebook and Twitter, and that's trying to get people. So we're just hoping something happens. Something with it. happens. Now Steve Scrovan, and I've been giving it out. Who directed it? And how Steve was Steve Scrovan? He directed it and wrote it. No, I wrote it. Because Scrovan is a uh, uh, he did uh, the Unreasonable Man. Right, and but he's a you know he's he was a comic, but he's had a tremendous career in television, right? Yeah. What happened was he had the bug to do another movie because um, sorry, and I'm not burping for food, but just you're nervous. No acid and stuff. Okay. <laughs> I never. This Did you is, eat breakfast? Not really. Just uh, a fruit salad with the table. Um, you were at the table this morning. Briefly. Who was and, there? Uh. Uh, Ronnie Shell, do you know who he is? No. He always brags he did 60 Goma Piles. Um, <laughs> got to this, go to this, this cartoonist, Charlie Brown. Oh, they'd love you. Uh, this guy, Greg Pritikin, who, who's like the youngest guy there. He's like 40. Yeah. And he acts like a Echo Park hipster, but he's an old Jew. What, was Mazursky there? Not today. He must be pretty old. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, a lot of them are talking about their ailments, which unfortunately I all have. It happens to all everyone. Everyone has stuff. So yeah, basically, you cross a line, and it's all about. What the that. hell was I just talking about? The, t- the you're talking about Scrovan, and yeah, you yeah, just yeah. So the I, table, yeah. I wrote actually, I did a sit and spin. I did a story, and he, and he encouraged me to write a story about my friendship with Vinny. He goes, "We should do this as a movie." He was supposed to write it with me, but he got so busy with his sitcom stuff. So I took the liberty and, and wrote it, and then it took us a while to figure out how to make the movie, because we're not in that world. And, yeah. and we're not in the world. Steve Scroven's the greatest guy in the world, but he's he's more passive than me. I keep saying, put it on your Facebook page. So that's why I'm tired of pushing it. I had to make up postcards and pay for DVDs. I'm handing them out in the street. And and, and then I, I, I went to Newport to a festival, and I'm, 
and, and, and I'm trying to get people to come, and only friends come I pay for, so... Did your mother see it? No. No. I, not, she doesn't know how to put a DVD in, and my father died, so I'm not saying that to be funny. She, she, she wouldn't... I don't know if I want her to see it yet, because she'd go, Freddie, do you really live like that? And because it's... Yeah. Freddie, because I always make up when I'm on the phone to get off the phone with her that I'm meeting some friend for lunch to make because she always you know you're always alone you know I go no I'm meeting my friend John and then she says to my friend my sister Fred only has one friend John so I'm always making up I gotta go I'm at a big table well I do a table yeah. a little bit in the morning but so I think it's very real the movie so yeah does she worry about you? I mean, what is what? Is, I can't. I, I can't decide whether she's constantly beating the shit out of you emotionally. Well, or she's I think worried yes about and, you. I think yes and no. I think I don't, maybe a lot of middle-aged people get this. Your parents worry, but then they get to a point where they go, "All right, this is what it is." You know, <laughs> like when I got a cat, she goes, "Why'd you get a cat, not a girlfriend?" Then I got a second cat, so I think. <laughs> <laughs> she goes get a giraffe for all I care, you know. <laughs> so she she looks like I gave up. So she would worry. She worried I played a gay guy and suddenly Susan, and she didn't like that. So, but I think it's at a point where it's. Did she see on Ray? Yeah, and she liked that. She liked that. Oh, good. She uh, plus I did it. Uh, I was on a show, Handy Manny, and there was a doll of my character, and you press it, and I talk, and she liked it. But she goes, how come it doesn't talk every time you press it? Because sometimes it makes this other gurgling sound. So so it's like, I think she's proud because sometimes someone comes in to fix something. Yeah. And they go, oh, he knew you. Like there's yeah. a picture of me. Yeah. So I think pe people have to remind her to be proud. Yeah. And that was your whole life with that. I, I Again, I, I understand why people would be shocked I'm a comedian. Because like Bill and George, they that they played them, well, one, George Calfer, the other guy, played Bill Rakowski, yeah. they played this straight married couple. And for like 16, 17 years, Bill Rakowski and George Calfer were, they're straight, but they were roommates. Yeah. And Bill says, everyone thought we were gay. I think we were gay. Oh, they were a gay married couple in the movie, you mean? They were straight, but people think they're gay. Oh. But, and I, and I would... I, people like this one girl, she works as a waitress. She goes, I see you walking by all the time. What's wrong? They they just, <laughs> yeah, Sarah Silverman said, you're always the guy walking. Whenever I'm driving, there's Fred walking. So you're a mental patient if you walk. <laughs> no, it's in, in LA. LA. Yeah, yes. that's true. What's wrong with that guy? Yeah, what they, they to that see guy? this that weird middle-aged guy walking, swinging his arms and... So what happened with this other podcast? Because I oh yes, oh I never finished the story. Oh, the guy at the Apple Store. So you're the guy that goes in. Everyone knows you at the Grove. Here comes Weird Fred Sowert. The first he was like, hey, "I love dude, you." you yeah, I'm you're a comedy geek. Yeah. And then it's now he's a sidekick on a show, and it's this snarky sense of humor, like pop references, and yeah. like, "Oh, this guy, he's a loser." Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. like, and he and he's this big guy, and he's got this hot girlfriend because. I don't like that nerd means cool now. Yeah. When I was a kid, nerd, misfit, now it's like, dude, I'm a nerd. I'm going to Comic-Con, meaning I'm into cool stuff everyone else is into. Yeah, a big shift in the culture there. Yeah, huh? and this the podcast is called Nerdist. Now, I don't want, I know, I don't, I've seen Chris Hardwick. He's a nice guy. He's talented and charming, but is he a nerd? No. You know, you're you're preaching to the choir here, buddy. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, dude, we're nerds. No, you're, you're into cool robots and yeah so it, it, it annoys me so yeah i did a song about it you'll play it <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> it's uh so yeah it's 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 just weird how 
I was scared you would get mad, you know, go, I don't know. Like on my Twitter, people go, do Mark Maron's show. And that's how they sound on Twitter. <laughs> You're reading no tone. <laughs> yeah. I go, I'm afraid, you know. Yeah, unsolicited rejection. I'd probably love Nerdist if I was on it. It's like, all you know, it's all this stuff like people, you know. Yeah, unsolicited. You know, with the festivals, you get unsolicited rejection because people go, I, you know, we were at Slamdance, so we've done legitimate stuff. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. You know. Yes. It's a real movie. It's. I think it's pretty real. But then festivals will hear, wow, man, you're at Slamdance. Please send us the movie. We'd love to consider you. So then you send the screeners, and they send you this form letter. Due to over 5,000 submissions, the, the film is very... We have passed on your movie, but please keep trying. I didn't ask for Florida or Germany or yeah. Newark or anything. And yeah. I, I, that's my favorite thing in the business, unsolicited rejection. Well, I tell you, the way the, the world is set up now, there's no shortage of unsolicited rejection. Oh. I got some this morning. Got an email from some hater, and you know, and depending on what day it is, I'll either engage or I won't. So I go look at my phone right now to see if he... like you know I sent him a letter calling him a fucking uh, insecure bully. Yeah, see then he wrote back and it's going to be worse but did you ever get someone offering you something and then go uh years ago i when i cared about who my agent was i saw him with a new agent i thought he was going to be good right yeah so this guy from gersh says freddy uh give us your tape we, we'd we, we'd be great for you we're really good i go well i, I like this new agent he goes freddy this is gersh come on yeah i went all right so then i give him my tape and he calls me he goes fred we decided to pass I didn't ask, you know, he was begging to reject me. Yeah. The, the thing is that that fucking, the heat, the emotional heat of rejection is, uh, is you know, it, it, that is the fight. I mean, that, I mean, like, I have to assume, like, now, if I'm thinking about it honestly right now, that moment where you feel that rejection and that horrible erasing sort of, you know, uh, diminishing uh, pain of that. You know, that's what we fight against when we do comedy. And I love they say, don't take it personally. And I... As soon as you engage with some of these guys, like a lot of times they're like, fuck you, you're a cunt, blah, 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 blah. And then you like, you know, then I write back, like, did it feel good to say that? Do you feel better about yourself for doing that to me? I've had a... With my movie, I get unsolicited advice where it's locked. Steve Scroven has no more money to fix. And then my neighbor, people go, let me look at it. I will give you my notes, my idiot neighbor. I go, it's locked. He goes, it is never locked. <laughs> and, and they tell you what's wrong with it. Like... I I see the acting in Angelo. Like they're giving you advice for something that's done, which you didn't ask for. Yeah, you know. But that I mean, I, it's like some people have a tougher skin, and some. It has to do with the, you know what what we require emotionally, and it seems that you know you and I, at some level, were either sort of oh. uh, d abandoned by our parents, and Beyond, so we, yeah. yeah, so you get this. You you kind of need this kind of reassurance all the time. Like some stuff I don't take personally, like auditions. I know when I go in, they're looking for a poker buddy. Dude, rule number three with chicks. I'm Donald Logue type. Yeah. And I don't want to go on it, but I know not to take it personally because you know what they're looking yeah, for. Yeah, after a certain point, you're like, I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. I do that too. Yeah, I know, not to take it personally, but the movie is very personal. Yeah. Or I tried writing a book and literary agents rejected. It was very personal. It was about being the perennial TV guest star guy. Yeah. And yeah, when it's very personal... Yeah, it's you a, take it personally when it's a personal art thing. Well, I will tell you right now with confidence that people love you. I appreciate that. I I appreciate Bob Saget, Fred Willard, Sarah Silverman, and maybe Harry Mandel because they they did a favor for me on a, a web series I'm going to do. Oh, and and, and Adam dot com. Uh, oh, good, good, good. Great people. Good. It's just four little five minute episodes, and hopefully. 
there'll be more. So these guys, that's why I'm trying to be a mensch. Like, I want to pay it forward. Like, these guys, not friend friends where we hang out, but how Bob Saget got back to me right away on an email. Then go, how'd you get my email? He didn't do that. And Well, what's it going to take for you to know that uh, that people do appreciate you? Oh, I do. No, no, I, I do. No, I know that. I'm not saying I don't. No, nope. but how? What, what, what's it going to take for you to not beat yourself up before you do these things? I'm just saying I I, I feel appreciated, but stand up is a hard animal. <laughs> the, the thing, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, you got to go at the laugh factory guys on this, you know, who just no, I understand. Watch, yeah, yeah. So, who, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe in a perfect world, if I got like you, where people want to see you, there's a few. <laughs> Let's yeah. not go crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so but exactly. just to, about a third of the audience yeah, that comes, to, you know, but. Aren't there people that like being funny, but they don't have to do the stand-up thing, like Albert Brooks? Can <laughs> sure. I be that guy, but without the success? Yeah, you can. And yeah. You might be already. Yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I mean, you know what my dream was, and maybe I could be it. I w- before he became nuts, Andy Dick. I, when he was on news radio, he's got a job. Yeah. Then he tells a story on a panel. That's what I'd like to be, but it didn't happen. I just played delivery guys and clerks, but where you get to express yourself, but not in a stand-up venue. Sure. Yeah, That's like what now. I'd like to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, and you're very good at it. Thank you so much. And you're great. I've been listening to your podcast. And there's one, tell me if I made this mistake. Okay. And I know you want to wrap up. I, I got the look. <laughs> no, no, I'm, no I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to make the mistake because listening to you, like when Colin Quinn had, uh, what's it called? Tough Crowd? Yeah. I saw a lot of comics I knew that were very nice guys. And they'd go on it, and they thought they had to be more Nick DiPaolo ish, like the blacks screw them, man. Blacks have all the good stuff. Yeah. And I know this sweet guy; I won't say his name. And they were trying to, you know, what I'm saying, be more Push that to, to be more on the show and be part of it. Mm-hmm. So I hope after listening to things, I wasn't like fuck you, and yeah, I I masturbated, you know, because you know what I'm saying. Because I heard nothing to- about <laughs> masturbation or hating blacks. Just unless you- <laughs> no, that's Colin's show. I know, but unless you had a different conversation in your head than what happened just now, right? You know what I'm saying? No, I felt the pressure before yeah. coming here that you had to, you know, be, you know, gritty and, and, no. and saying everyone you hate. No, except for yeah, Nerdist. That's <laughs> well. He's yeah. He's uh, he's a nice guy, but yeah, you get it. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, I have, don't I, you I, don't hijack nerd. No, I have, I, I I have the exact same feelings you do about that. Cool stuff is what this. Because <laughs> I'm watching robots and sci-fi and yeah, what is a real nerd? What what is Fred, Fred Stowell watch? You know, so also I didn't know if you like freaks and geeks. Yeah, because they had camaraderie. They had buddies. They yeah. were like, and they were smart. All right, we're beat up, but we're gonna grow up to be rich scientist yeah i never had the reassurance that i was an outcast but at least i'll show them and be rich right you know i showed them that i could drink all the lattes i want but, yeah you know but yeah. you know what i mean i, well, like I think that like the geeks but i'm saying I, I i don't even at least they had each other well there's there, there's something different like i think that the way you're using nerd like i think nerd in a, in the sense now it, it, it implies it's cool well, no, but it implies an almost uh, in pop culture, an obsessive, uh, you know, sort of fascination with specific things. Like if someone's a chess nerd or a Dungeons right. and Dragon nerd, that that is really the heart. There's of no it. stigma or shame in the word now. It's like it's no. like cool. Hey, I'm just a nerd, man. I'm watching my Scrabble. But yeah. I think you and I were awkward. We were socially awkward, and and that that you know we might have been geeky, but you yeah. know I don't know. It doesn't sound like you were a nerd. I definitely wasn't. No, I guess you're right. A nerd means like a Rain Man kind of. You, you have an obsessive something. thing with right. Something. You're right. It's, and yeah. it's not like Revenge of the Nerds. I think I was just. Uh, 
I was related to black people. I was obsessed with obscure black character actors, invisible people. Really? Yes. Like Moses Gunn, Thalmus Rasalusala, Harper Hill. No, not Harper Hill. It was another hill. Um, Lou Gossett, before he's famous, Teddy Wilson. Because I well, that's why I be- wanted to be a character actor, like these invisible people and rooted for black people. Because you identified with, with the, the invisibility, yes. And the, uh, yes, it wasn't not, I don't, not, not the, you know, now it became rap in your face, Tracy Morgan, but I liked quiet, yeah. Just, uh, my mother like, has that where she can't go into a restaurant if there's a black busboy. She feels sorry for him or he's a security guard. She, she, so I have a little bit of that. I feel I want to save everyone and give, yeah. give security guards good jobs. Well, that's, I think that's, maybe you should make that. My goal. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming, Fred. Hey, uh, thank you, and I hope uh, I wasn't doing the tough crowd stuff. You know, overdoing. You you were great. Uh, That was so much fun. Okay. So I cleaned my apartment. I got it all ready. I was excited because a guy was coming over to do a podcast interview, you know. And uh, so then he comes over, and, and he says, wait a minute, this is an apartment, not a house. I go, yeah. Because I thought you were more successful. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we've been around forever. You're an older guy, just have an apartment. What do you mean? He goes, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I only have a certain amount of spots for the podcast. And I I should not just give it out, you know. I'm going to have Dave Foley, Jeff Garland, Andy Dick, people like that. So... I only have a certain allotted spots, and there's just an echelon. I said, because I live in an apartment, not a house. He goes, well, I, I should maybe look at your credits. I, I bought, and there's just an echelon. I said, because I live in an apartment, not a house. He goes, well, I, I should maybe look at your credits. I, I So I cleaned my apartment. I got it all ready. I was excited because a guy was coming over to do a podcast interview. You know, and uh, so then he comes over and, and he says, wait a minute, this is an apartment, not a house. I go, yeah, because I thought you were more successful. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we've been around forever. You're an older guy, just have an apartment. What do you mean? He goes, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I only have a certain amount of spots for the podcast and I may, I should not just give it out, you know. I'm going to have Dave Foley, Jeff Garland, and Dick, people like that. So I only have a certain lot. It's kind of, uh, yeah, I kind of, we need more bigger people. I, I made a mistake. So I cleaned my apartment. I got it all ready. I was excited because the guy was coming over to do a podcast interview, you know, and, uh, so then he comes over and, and he says, wait a minute, this is an apartment, not a house. I go, yeah, because I thought you were more successful. I go, what do you mean? He goes, they've been around forever. Well, that's our show. That was Fred's song. Hey, look, go to the site. Go to WTFPod.com. Check my calendar if you didn't get the dates at the beginning of the show. Kick in a few shekels. Get some JustCoffee.coop. Indulge in the apps. Or if you don't want to do that, buy some of the premium episodes. It all helps out. We're all making a living, kind of. I'm trying. I'm doing okay. I'll see you in Atlanta tonight. Uh, Boomy's not in here, so there's no raspy meowing. Maybe I'll do one. I'll do one for you. <laughs>